And, and what we learn from John as we look at this in John chapter 3 is, is let, let me start with the problem we have. Uh, if, if, if you have ever served Jesus in any way and have not been distracted by thoughts about yourself, congratulations. <laughs> you have my respect. Uh, it, it is so easy in serving Christ to think about ourselves, to, to want to build our own kingdom, to seek our own glory. And, and it's something that we should not do, and it's what John seemed to have mastered. And it's what I want to point out today as we do this. Uh, and, you know, this is, I wrote down in my notes, I'm looking at this, this is especially true of pastors. <laughs> I don't know what it's like. It's been so long since I was a not pastor that I don't remember what it's like to, to, to be uh, someone else serving Christ. But, but uh, every, all of us can do this. You know, Matthew chapter 6 gives us an example. Uh, and it's, it's uh, just in our service how easy it is to get distracted by ourselves. I'm going to read the first six verses of Matthew chapter 6, and it's just to illustrate the problem. Okay? Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who sees in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Uh, and and he's, just, he's just laying out the problem we can, we can, in the good things we do, in the things we do for others, we can still be distracted by wanting to bring glory to ourselves. And, and it's a dangerous thing, and, and it's something that went on back then. It's something that is still in us today. John the Baptist seemed to have the right perspective when he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. So let's start at John chapter 1, and we'll look at John's testimony. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. <clears throat> Should I give you the page number? <laughs> okay, sorry, I know. <laughs> uh, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said to them, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. So John's testimony. Now when it says this is the testimony of John, it's not a testimony about John. It's the testimony of by John. It's what John testified. You know, that word of can be a very misleading word. Uh, this is not John the Apostle, who wrote the book, testifying about, uh, talking about John the Baptist. This is John the Apostle telling us what John the Baptist was talking about. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's he's, he's not talking, John is not talking about himself, except to say, I'm not the guy. I'm not the one you're looking for. Uh, and the first words out of his mouth, it's kind of funny. 
when, when, when the first words out of his mouth, they say, so we came to find out about you. I'm not the Christ, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like he just he just throws that out. You know, the police pull you over. And it's, it's, I, I, this is not a recent experience, just so you know, in case you were wondering. The police pull you over. They do this really, really dirty trick. Because they pull you over, they walk up to the window and they ask, do you know why I pulled you over? How do you answer that question? <laughs> that, that's right. No, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> but, it, but it would be fun. <laughs> It'd be fun for the, to be the passenger when the driver says it. It wouldn't be fun to, you know, I, I think I wouldn't advise it. But your mind races to give the right answer. Because if you say, well, yeah, it's because I was speeding. And he says, well, no, actually, I was pulling you over because your blinker was out. But now that you confess to speeding, right, and, and, and he gets you for two things instead of one. So instead, do you lie? When you know you were doing 70 and a 55, do you lie and say, why, no, officer, I have no idea. Because then you're a liar. And so you're, you're trapped in this terrible situation. You don't know what to do. Uh, and, and, and uh, you know, Bruce Morock. Our beloved missionary ex-cab driver in Boston, <laughs> and who's been trained in driving in Mexico, um, we were doing a mission trip when he was director at Kilcoquilala. We were doing a mission trip up near the border uh, in, uh, I guess it's Boundary County, uh, up in the, beyond Bonner County in Idaho. Anyway, we were doing a mission trip. Were you there, Michelle? Were you part of that? This is after your time? Okay. Uh, and and uh, Bruce was our guide because we were going, they have, a, they have a, a migrant camp way up in the north end, almost Canada, Idaho. Uh, and, and, and migrants grow, they grow hops up there and they have a migrant camp. And we were going up to do vacation Bible school there. And, and he was our translator. And so he's going along and he's actually our guide the first day we're going up there. And Bruce does have a little bit of a lead foot. <laughs> And, and we're, we're coming out of Sandpoint, heading north, and, and uh, we're doing whatever the speed limit was at this point. You know, a little bit up ahead, it was 70, I think, but at this point, it was probably like 40. And Bruce, you know, kind of flies by us, and I'm going, well, he's, he's, he's just uh, speeding up a little bit early. And then another car flew by us. <laughs> But here's what Bruce said to the police officer. Yes, sir, I was driving too fast. And the officer said, wow, nobody's ever confessed to that before. I'll let you go this time. <laughs> so so it, there is a right answer. But you know, your first words, the first words out of your mouth reveal what you're thinking. You know, someone comes and says, starts to say something, and you, the first thing was, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. I don't know why. And, and they reveal what you're thinking. They reveal what you think they're thinking. And so John's words reveal that he thought they thought he was the Messiah. Or they thought he was posing as the Messiah. But the, his identity of claiming to be the Messiah was the key thing. That, that's what they were coming to find out about him. Was he either the Messiah or a pretender to be the Messiah? Because he wouldn't have been the only one coming in and pretending to be the Messiah. There were others who did this. And the first words out of his mouth reveal correctly that he thought, they thought he was the Messiah. Maybe they suspected him of pretending. Either way, he answered the question that was on his mind. And he claimed not to be anyone else because he said, no, I'm not him. And when I say, you know, he says, I am not the Christ, he's not the Messiah, the predicted one, the expected one. And, and then they say, well, what then? Are you are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? No. 
Uh, and, and this goes back to Malachi 4.5. This is the, the, last, the last word in, in Malachi, by the way, interesting. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. The last word of the Old Testament is curse. But almost the last, te- word, last, last word, among the last words, are this prophecy that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, uh, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, says, Behold... I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn their hearts, the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. And my version doesn't use the word curse because it's evil. I, I don't know why. they. This is the only first time I've ever seen one that didn't say curse. Uh, <laughs> strike the land with a curse. Uh, and and uh, so the last thing we find is this prophecy of Elijah coming before the day of the Lord. So they're coming along. They say, well, if you're not the Messiah, then are you Elijah? Because Elijah is supposed to come before. He says, no, I'm not him either, which is a little bit baffling. Because Jesus later said that John was the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 11, he says, John, if you can accept it, because the disciples are asking him, they say, why, does the, why, does, why do people think Elijah is supposed to come? He says, well, he's supposed to come. Indeed, if you can accept it, John is the Elijah who was to come. So what is it? Is it yes or no? John says no. Jesus says yes. Jesus outvotes John. So, you know, what, what's going on is, is John is a type of Elijah, but there will be a more complete fulfillment in the future. And I personally believe Elijah himself is coming back in the end times during that tribulation, seven-year tribulation period, and he's one of two prophets that will be prophesying at the temple, the other being Moses. Uh, but, but so John is asked, and he just says, no, I'm not anybody. And, and they like, look at verse 22, still in John chapter 1. And they're basically saying, but we know you're somebody. They said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Because all he's saying is, I'm not this important person. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the prophet. I'm not Elijah. I'm nobody special. And that's, that's exactly what he says. See, they knew, what, they knew John was somebody because what John is doing is supernatural. It wasn't supernatural as if he was you know, calling down fire from heaven, as if he was multiplying bread and loaves, as if he was walking on the water. It wasn't supernatural in that way. But here's what's supernatural is you go out into the wilderness where nobody is and you start saying... Uh, Prepare the way of the Lord, repent, you brood of vipers, and people flock to you there. That's not natural. That's not normal. Uh, that's, he, he's, he should not have drawn crowds. You know, he's the kind of guy that, that P.T. Barnum would put in a, in a small room and bring people in to show, and they'd pay a quarter to see the, the, the prophet. You know, that, that's what John was like. He was, he was part of the sideshow. He wasn't the kind of person someone goes out to see. Uh, he was eating bugs and preaching in the wilderness. That's not the accepted way to gain fame. That's the accepted way to get people to talk about you. <laughs> people will talk about you, but they won't go out and, and, and hang on your every word. And that's what they were doing. And that's what's supernatural about John. Is, is that he was, in what he was doing, it was effective. And that was not natural. It was supernatural. And, and, and they, they could see this. They recognized that there was more to John than John. Because John alone did not explain what was happening. There was more to that. So they say, what is your explanation? And the thing is, is they're not coming, be- these guys who are talking to him aren't necessarily coming because they're curious. They probably were curious, but that's not why they were there. They were sent. There were important people sitting on comfortable chairs back in Jerusalem. 
and they said, go find out about this guy. Go ask him what he's doing. And they say, we have to go back with a message. Our job's on the line. They sent us with one job, find out who you are, and you're not telling us, right? Uh, let me read it again. Verse 22, they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, verse 23, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Uh, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And, and he says, I'm just a voice. That's all I am. I'm a messenger. You know, John is saying, what John is saying is, anybody could have done what I did. All I did was God told me to say this, and I said it. He told me to go here, and I went there. That's all I did. I didn't do anything else. I'm just a voice. Anyone could do what he's doing. His job was to prepare people for Jesus, and, and that is what he was doing. And that's the testimony of John. Uh, but for our benefit, the testimony of John, the meaning that he gave, becomes to us a testimony about John also. Uh, and, and so we're going to look at that. And it's kind of interesting because you're going to recognize the Greek word that is translated testimony, martyrion, from which we get the word martyr. And the word to witness is to martyr. And so for us, the martyr has become someone who, who dies for his faith. But originally it was simply a witness, someone who testified, someone who was a witness. It was a legal term. You would be a marturion in court, and you would come in, you'd say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth. I don't know how they did it, but, you know, uh, or, or get speared. Uh, <laughs> I'll be honest. You know, whatever their version of that was a witness. That was a testimony, and that's what John did, and that's who he was. We see the same word in John 1, verse 7. Since we're there, let's look at it. John 1, 7 says, uh, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. And it's slightly different there. It's marturia to bear witness. It is marturion when it's, he is the witness or he, he is there to testify. It's, it's, a, it's a different, different form slightly, but, it, but it's clearly the same word. It's the same word that we're finding in both of those two places. Uh, he came as a witness, marturia, and this is what he witnessed to them, marturion. And, and the word is someone testifying. And it became a martyr, someone who dies for his faith, which is interestingly also a word that describes John. Uh, and, and he becomes what he testifies too. So, so we, we have this testimony of John. We have this testimony about John. What is the most important thing John did? Right? Because we could all answer trivia questions about John. Okay, what did John do in the Jordan River? Anyone? Baptized? Okay, we're batting 100 so far. What did he wear? Camel skin clothing. Okay, that's two for two. What did he eat? And? Okay, who was his cousin? Four for four. <laughs> you know, the Mariners want you on the team. <laughs> okay, only one thing makes those relevant that he witnessed about Jesus. I mean, th those are interesting trivia things that we know because we just know them, and it's like, it's cool, yeah, we know. <laughs> go, go home from church. So what was church about? I got 100. <laughs> okay, <laughs> interesting church you go to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, only one thing makes all of these relevant, that he pointed the way to Jesus Christ, which is the easiest thing you can think of. He went into the wilderness, he says, prepare the way of the Lord, repent, and be baptized. Uh, and, and, and that's all he did. Look, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world. All he did was point to Jesus. He says, I'm nobody. But he is a nobody who pointed to Jesus, and Jesus said about him that he was the greatest 
not, not, he says, there was no one greater. There's, there's a difference between saying he was the greatest and there was no one greater. He says, I tell you, of those born among women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. So, you know, there's, a, there, there's, there's the, 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 the rungs of greatness, I guess. And, you know, we're, I'm sorry, we're stuck somewhere down in mediocrity. <laughs> you may be better. But, uh, and, and, but, and, and up there, there's that top rung. And you got Moses there. You've got Isaiah, maybe. You've got Dan, Daniel. I love Daniel. Maybe you've got Joseph in the coat of many colors. Uh, anyway, on that rung, that's where John is. He's up there with the top. There's no one greater than him, but he says, I'm, I'm only a voice. One thing made him great, that he was faithful to that mission of being the voice. Now we move on to John chapter 3, and Jesus invades John's turf. Interesting thing. Jesus has been in Jerusalem. Uh, he cleans out the temple. He, he comes in. Uh, he he uh, leaves the temple again. He leaves Jerusalem. And, and he uh, goes down. Oh, he has his encounter with Nicodemus while he's there. Um, and, and then he goes out into the wilderness. Verse, chapter 3, verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went away into the Judean countryside. Right? They went away. They, they didn't go back to Judea, meaning back to Capernaum, where, where it seemed to be a, a base of operations. They didn't go to one of the cities. They went out to the Judean wilderness, south of the Sea of Galilee, on the Jordan River. Right? That's, that's where they go. Uh, they went out into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. Now, it says, and when it's baptizing, it sounds like Jesus was baptizing. Skip ahead real quick to four, chapter 4, verse 2. It says, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. I think it would have created tremendous theologic confusion had Jesus himself been baptizing. Uh, so, so he didn't. He, he, the, but his disciples were baptizing. right? And, and then it says, John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem. By the way, we don't know where that is. Uh, you can guess anywhere you want. It's between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. <laughs> That's all we know for absolute sure. They usually make it closer to the Dead Sea because um, it seems to be connected with Jerusalem some way, and so you just go down past uh, Jericho and, and somewhere in there. But, but who knows? Jesus was, was farther north than that. He was in Judea, clearly. Uh, and, and so... Um, it says, after this, they went to the Judean countryside and was there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because water was plentiful there and people were coming or, and being baptized. So it's an area where apparently the river was wide. It was deep enough. You know, we don't know how they baptized exactly. If you watch it, you, know, you see different versions on different videos and things of, of how they did it. Uh, you know, t technique, I like to go in about this deep because uh, that way you're not too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> and my job is more to push you down than to pick you up. You know, they, they seem to always show it about this deep. That, that breaks a guy's back. I just want you to know that. Uh, if you ever see me do a baptism, I go out about this deep because uh, it's just easier. But anyway, uh, we, you know, how, how they did it, I don't know. It's not really the important thing about this. But, but he goes there, and, and before long, more people are coming to him than we're going to John. Okay, it says, uh, because water was plentiful there, people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. They're saying, hey, that's not right. You pointed him out and now they're leaving you and going to him. 
Aren't you ticked? Doesn't that, he's, he's robbing you. He's imposing on your turf. Uh, and that's, that's what they're saying there. Uh, and, and, and so why did Jesus do that? I mean, why did he go and do this? He himself didn't baptize. We never hear about Jesus or his disciples baptizing anybody after this. But at this point, they go and do this. And, and, and uh, why did he do this? Was it just a coincidence? Was it just a, a, a fluke uh, that, that they said, hey, let's go do this? And he says, oh, okay, sure. I got nothing better to do. <laughs> got three years to kill. Um, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 it's no coincidence and it's no accident. And, and I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, and here's why he did it. But I think I know at least one reason why he did it. To send a clear message that John had done what he was there to do and his time was now past. And the one who was greater than John is now here. And no kidding. I mean, I'm sorry, but you know, you get up into heaven and there's a line of 20 people to see John and a line of 200 to see Jesus, which line are you getting in? Because I'm getting in the Jesus line. <laughs> you, know? you can get in the John line if you want. Uh, I'm getting in the Jesus. I don't care if it's longer because Jesus is better, right? Uh, and, and, and that just makes sense. The people are going to Jesus instead of John. So he's telling a John a mess, sending John a message. He says, I'm here. Are you willing to step aside? And, and, and that's exactly the situation that confuses John's followers. And the real baffling thing is, is and if you've been around me and I've talked about John before, is why does John even still have followers? You know, if, if I'm here speaking and Jesus walks in the door and I go, whoa, there's Jesus, and you stay in your seat because I'm speaking, I'm going to come punch you. <laughs> you know, I'm going to smack you and say, get over there. <laughs> you know, I probably won't punch you, but you know, that would, maybe you know, Jesus made a whip. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's just like, what part of this do you not get? What part of this do you not understand? Uh, and, and, and so why does Jesus, John still have followers at all you know, is, is confusing to me. But his followers are confused. They've been, you know, the, the one guy comes and, and talks. says, an area arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew. And because it says a Jew, when it says they came to John, it means the disciples, or maybe the disciples and the Jew. But it's not just the Jew, because the Jew is not a they, right? It's plural. They went to John and said, hey, don't you see what's happening? And so John's followers are coming to him, and they're saying, doesn't this bother you? You went to all this work, you supported him, you pointed his way, and now he's getting all the followers. This is how he thanks you for what you did? And the thing is, is John knew exactly whose kingdom he was building. Right? Uh, verse 27, uh, chapter 3. As soon as I find it, John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. John, John has received what he's supposed to receive. He's not supposed to keep receiving followers. That's not supposed to happen. He says, I've received what I'm supposed to. Verse 28, You, you yourselves heard bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He's going, you heard me say it. I'm not the one. You were there. You heard the words come out of my mouth. You heard me say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, I'm not the one. He is. What part of this? And he's, it's, it's like he's saying, what part of it? You heard me say it. What part did you not understand of what he said? And I love, I love where he goes from there with this picture of the bridegroom and the bride. 
The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who asks, or stands and hears him rejoices greatly to hear the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is complete. If you're the best man, you don't stand there and go, sure, she's marrying him. <laughs> you, you, you are thrilled that your buddy is getting married. He's getting married to the woman that he loves and wants, and, and, and you're thrilled, you're happy for him. You're not jealous. You're not, if, if you are, you should not be the best man. <laughs> you, know, you should be, be home pouting there. You know, Don't come pout at the wedding acting like you're the bridegroom's friend. Uh, John is the good bridegroom's friend. He says, I am happy that he is here receiving what is his. This is why I'm here. This is what I wanted to see. See, I'm happy for my friend. And finally, verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. So, so it's really easy. This is not a complicated message. Uh, we do not compete with Jesus. It's, it's just that, that complicated. We do not build our own kingdom. We build his kingdom. Our purpose is not to gain glory for us. Our purpose is to gain glory for him. And if we do gain glory for us, what in the world should we do with it? Because we better not keep it. You know, we, 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 it's like, no, no. I'm not the one. Look at the one we're pointing to. Uh, our, our ministry is not about us. And I use the word ministry and because we tend to think of ministry. We say, oh, the, the, the pastor, the missionaries, uh, the, those people who are doing those things, they have a ministry. No, no, no. Everybody has a ministry. We have a way to serve and a place to serve. And, and our ministry is not about us. You know, it's not about building a bigger kingdom. It's not about building a greater fortune. It's not about building a following. Uh, we, we live in a world that asks, what's in it for me? And we were talking out at the rendezvous about uh, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. They may discern what is pure. Uh, you, you can figure it out. <laughs> that you can figure out what's best. That's, that's the Steve's bad paraphrase. Okay. Uh, but the, the the, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We sometimes don't recognize when we become conformed to the world. We don't realize that we've done it. And we start thinking questions in, the, in our ministry of what's in it for me. How does this reward me as I do it? Is, is there enough in it for, to make it worth my time? And the answer is that's entirely not the question. The question is, does it glorify Christ? We, we, we have to learn to hate that question of what's in it for me. Instead, we have to, ask, we have to learn to ask what serves him best. What gives him glory? John was great. There's no question John was great. Among those born of women, there was no one greater than John the Baptist. But what made him great was, was that he didn't serve himself, but he served Christ. He, and he did not serve himself in any way. The guy wore you know, rough clothing and ate bugs <laughs> you know, because it was convenient and didn't slow him down. He wasn't distracted by having to take care of himself and meet his needs. Uh, and, and I'm not saying you need to wear bad clothing and eat bugs. But if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to serve Christ the way John did, where we're seeking his glory and not our own. Okay? Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your blessings that you give us. Lord, I ask you to give us truly servants' hearts that we recognize we're servants, that we are friends of the bridegroom, that our joy is when you receive glory. 
Father, let us be faithful to you that way. We pray in Jesus' name.